Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Tej Talks with... You guessed it, it's Ted. You can see me while it's on my t-shirt, you won't forget. Uh, It's not a t-shirt, it's a jumper. So, I'm going to talk today about three mistakes that you should not make on your first deal. Now, to be honest, these mistakes you should not make on any deal, really. But obviously, your first deal is so important. And if you have a limited cash pot, like I did when I started out, and I'm sure most people, you know, watching this, probably do have their own limited cash pot, whether it's 10k, 30k, 300k, whatever. You want to look after that money and you don't want to waste it, right? So for me, there's three key things. Now, there's obviously, I mean, there's like 40 things that you should get right on your first deal. And I I cover that in my e-learning, but I'm going to hit you with the three most important ones so that you can go back to your deal. You can go back to what you're doing if, if it is your first deal or any deal you're doing and just double check. Shit, am I doing what I should be doing here? Um, Or... Have I maybe let the ball drop a little bit? Okay, so the first one is rushing in, not taking time, not taking knowledge, not taking care to do your DD, your due diligence on the deal. When it's your first deal, you know, you go out there, you're fresh, you're excited, you're confident, you kind of know what you're doing to an extent. You put in all these offers, you you know, speak to all these agents, you, oh, they'll get rejected. Would you know anyway, of course, right? Because you know what you're, you're talking about. Um, and then you keep doing this and you keep doing this and keep doing this. Now, there's going to be some deals, right, where you're going to be on your spreadsheet and you're going to say, mm, if I could just save two and a half grand on the refurb, this would be an incredible deal. Okay, how are you going to save two and a half grand? That sounds like the price of a rewire to me, roughly. So, okay, you're just going to not do the electrics? Are you just not going to plaster the whole house? Are you going to not paint it? Maybe just do like a, you know, a brown plastered effect, you know, vintage. The hell are you going to do? And look, you can cost engineer. You absolutely can save costs and should, you know, drawing the refurb. There's definitely areas you can pull back on. But... You know, if you've calculated a refurb and you want to take two and a half grand off it, the chances are you're going to be missing something. Or you might say, oh, all the evidence points to like 80 to 85 end value. Most of it says 80. But mm, what if in six months something sells for 85? So you let me put the end value in as 85. What you're doing is you're meddling where you shouldn't be meddling, right? You are changing things that are not yours to change. Because the evidence points to 80, maybe 85, but we aren't doing things on best case because shit, when does it happen best case? It does happen, happens even better than best case sometimes, but sometimes. Most of the time it happens conservatively, especially with dickhead valuers, um, oops, sorry, um, truth, who come in and downvalue it and don't actually use evidence properly, etc, etc, using various clauses to protect their insurance. Anywho, you look at your spreadsheet and there's various points which are variables, right? End value, refurb cost, purchase price. 
And you look at your legal fees and you look at them and think, oh, yeah, I can get rid of that. I can half that. I can do this. When in reality, one, you you shouldn't. Two, you probably can't. And three, you're making it too much of a best case, not, you know, worst case or normal case. So do not try and make a deal work. Now, look, there are exceptions. You know, on your first deal, I always say, be happy to accept a lower return, right? Say for flips, you want 20%, I would do 15. And here when I'm looking at local flips, higher value flips, I would look at 15. Oh, I won't get out of bed for less than 25. That's fine. But it's that first deal. It's getting in bed with that agent, right? It's having a case study that matches the area. It's about showing it to your investors. It's about getting on there, getting active and starting that snowball effect to grow. That doesn't mean you accept a 4% return though, right? It means you make a small allowance. But... If you have to mess with the spreadsheet to even meet your small allowance, then it's then it's just even worse of a deal. So for me, one of the big things people do when they start out is make it work. And I suppose, I mean, there's so much I could say on this, but one is trying to make that deal work. The second is realizing if it just doesn't work, then it just doesn't work. And there's nothing you can do about that, you know? Um, second thing I would say within that is not even understanding deal analysis on any sort of level that's going to help them and get them to where they should be, you know, just simply not understanding it and how their spreadsheet works and what different factors mean. That's a big, big thing. Uh, another little, littler thing, I suppose, is letting conveyancing take too long. Conveyancing takes anywhere from, they say, you know, four to 12 weeks. I think the average is eight to 12. That's slow as hell. And actually, I think a lot of them take longer. I think a lot of them take 12 weeks plus. So for me, a really big mistake is just letting it go on and not actually sort of telling the solicitors that you want it quick and why you want it quick and what your goals are for the year and how many more you're going to buy and how much more business you're going to send their way, especially if you have a brand. I've sent my solicitors a lot of business, business that has completed and made the money. I don't care. That's fine. I get great service. I don't want anything else. Do my shit quickly. Now, but they've learned that from the beginning because I instilled it and drilled it in from day one. Like, I need my shit to be quick. No messing around, none of that stuff. I need it to be quick. And because of that, it happens quickly and they understand that I'm going to be chasing them every whatever day. They just, they know that's going to happen. But they don't know that at the start with you because they don't know who you are or how you operate or what your vibe is or what you're going for here. So don't let it take too long. Push the agent to do their bleeding job. You know, they don't get paid just to list it on Rightmove and get you. They get paid to progress that sale. So make sure they're doing it. Because you'll find the other solicitor won't listen to your solicitor. They'll just say, oh, no, sorry, talk to the hand. But, oh, agent, yeah, sure. What, what do you want to know? It's like, what's wrong with you? Always, solicitors, Mexican standoff. But no one pulls their pistol out. They just both stand there for hours and days and nothing happens. So that's the shit kind of standoff. You wouldn't see that in a cowboy film, would you? So get the agents to get involved and make sure that conveyancing has been pushed along and then you have filled in every form you need to, you've verified your ID, you've got proof of funds, you've got everything you need to before you even get to legals or as soon as you get into it. It's a priority, right? And ensure your solicitors are always chasing their side because, Lord, when it happens slowly, it's so slow. It's so painful. It's just so irritating. Um, the last thing, uh, the last key thing here is not doing due diligence on your builders. Not looking at their company status, seeing if they have any CCJs. Uh, potentially, some people even go to the dentist to get a credit report. You know, maybe 
not even getting the personal guarantee when they're doing work for you through a limited company, if their limited company is new or, or brand new. Again, not always going to get that, but worth a try. Not having the right contracts in place. Not understanding how to find good builders, how to vet them, how to appoint them and how to manage them and how to make sure that you're getting the right people who look, can still mess up and can still be dickheads, for lack of a a better word, that's a technical term, I believe, like anyone can, but not finding them correctly is a really big issue. Because if you don't find them correctly, who cares about your contract? Who cares about how you manage them? Their shit, it's going to go wrong. And then also, how do you then fire them or or manage them or keep? There is so much here to do, but really that due diligence on the builder first, you know, checking their work. I've got this in my book. I've got it in my e-learning, checking their work looking through it in detail, getting the right contracts, that stuff is so, so important and people really just don't do it enough. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.